It is showtime, baby. Here we go. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. going on he's feeling it and you can see he's rising to the occasion it's the tc martin show it's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor tc martin this is your captain baby hey come with me the doctor is now in and a good thunderous thursday to you and we are rolling along here post super bowl And now looking ahead to the NBA All-Star Weekend. That is our next event that is on tap in Indianapolis. All right, so we get ready for that. Some interesting stuff taking place in All-Star Weekend. We'll uh, dive into that today. Plus, we talk a little UNLV hoops. Men victorious last night on the road in Fresno, getting a two-point victory. Kevin Kruger will join us, the head coach of the Running Rebels, who have now won five in a row. Lindy LaRock gets another victory last night for the Lady Rebels. They improve to 21-2 as they defeat Colorado State last night in a game I got a chance to be at last night at the Cox Pavilion. So great seeing Lindy with so many other people as uh, well, too. And yes, as uh, the calendar approaches March, you know, March Madness right around the corner. And then, of course, Final Four, the first week and in April, we look forward to all that. So, yes, we officially turn the calendar now from football now that the Super Bowl is concluded. And we get uh, talking more and more about hoops on the college side as well as the NBA side. Scott Spritzer will join us. He will join us in studio next hour as uh, we talk to Scott regarding handicapping the uh, NBA All-Star Game plus the college basketball in the second half of the NBA season on the horizon. Plus, we'll do a little recap of Super Bowl 58 here in Las Vegas. So like I said, uh, busy, busy couple weeks here in Vegas, of course, with uh, the Super Bowl concluded. So now we kind of put a bow and put a wrap on that. And now we uh, look forward to basketball. Also, we will uh, also give you an update with uh, more news uh, unfolding and coming out of Kansas City from the parade. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on this hour, so uh, hang tight uh, for that. But I want to start the show off here today talking about uh, the NBA All-Star Weekend, which is taking place in Indianapolis. We have the game on Sunday. We have the slam dunk contest, three-point shootout on Saturday. Then, of course, you have the Future Stars game, the Celebrity Game on Friday. And then also, you know, that very special... Three-point shootout between Steph Curry and Sabrina Inescu. All right? Very intrigued about that. But when we talk All-Star Game, what most people think about is the slam dunk contest. And I wanted to start the show off today with uh, a very good friend of mine who has been on the show before, who was the very first NBA slam dunk contest champion back in the day. Well, He's going to be celebrated, and he's heavily involved in this All-Star Game because he is the Alumni Relations Director for the Indiana Pacers, who happen to be hosting this game this weekend. So the pomp and circumstance has already started there in Indianapolis, and uh, I wanted to bring in our good friend, the 10-year NBA and ABA uh, veteran, 
the first NBA slam dunk champion, ABA legend with those Indiana Pacers back in the day, and then also starred in the NBA with the Golden State Warriors as well. He will be a judge in the slam dunk contest and will be honored as well on Saturday night. Let me bring in my man, Darnell, Dr. Dunk Hillman. What is going on, brother? Oh, just another day in the court, you see. You know how it is. (laughs) I do, man. And I know that you're busy there, too, man. I mean, you know, it's NBA season for you, so I know that you're you're always rolling along here and everything. But uh, this has got to be a special time for you because you're seeing a lot of your old brethren there. And then plus, you know, you're going to be a judge uh, in the slam dunk contest there uh, in Indianapolis on the Pacers home court. So, it's got to be an exciting weekend for you personally. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, I get a chance to see, just like you said, some of the uh, old-time uh, guys, and we can sit down and tell those lies to one another, how we used to beat up on each other. <laughs> uh, excited about that. And, you know, the city is popping right now. It's getting crowded every day. So I come the weekend. Day after tomorrow, it's just going to be packed in here. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. The all-star festivities already underway in Indianapolis. Uh, we know Adam Silver is going to make his address for the opening uh, ceremonies coming up here in just a, a minute. Darnell will be uh, there for that as well, too. But uh, where is the excitement level with this? Uh, especially, we know that Indiana is is a hotbed of basketball, and there's a lot of tradition. Even though the Pacers you know, really haven't won a, an NBA championship, uh, and they haven't been relevant for quite some time, but we know how much that that city and that state loves uh, its Pacers and the NBA. So talk a little bit about the excitement level. Well, it's uh, it's picking up a little bit. One thing about this team here that uh, we have right now, they're very exciting to watch. The city is rallied behind them, and they're really enjoying what they're seeing out there. Now, if we can just get these guys past the All-Star break and they still come out and play like they did in the second half, they should make the playoffs very easily and be, you know, uh, represented very well. So you're gonna... Now, the city also... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Darn. I'll finish up. Go ahead. My bad. Go ahead. The city also is very big on basketball, so there's all kinds of activities going on, even not in the downtown area. So we know it's big hype. I've been getting phone calls to come and make appearances over at different places, and I can't be at two or three places at once, so I'm having to decline, but it's growing, and I've been getting phone calls about it. <laughs> well, how many phone calls have you got from people that said, hey, man, l- l- let me see what you still got. I, I know that you could probably you know, still get up there and and, uh, and throw down a dunk or two. I mean, you you got to have those requests, right? <laughs> Oh, I have the request for TC. I took the word retirement literally. I do not leave the floor anymore. If I jump anymore now, I've got four herniated discs in my back. And if I leave the floor, I can't play golf for a couple of weeks. So there's no jumping involved anymore. There it is. All right. there. Now he's a full-time golfer. I love that, man. That's good. That's good. And we're going to get you back at Sacramento for our, our next Hall of Fame event, too, with the golf tournament. So you make sure that uh, you bring the sticks and ready to go in June, man. I certainly will. 
All right, man. You are going to be judging the slam dunk contest this year. And I think that is a great honor for you. One of the original dynamite dunkers and the first NBA slam dunk champion uh, of all time. And you've got yourself a pretty good list of uh, judges going to be sitting next to you. Dominique Wilkins, Fred Jones, Gary Payton, Mitch Richmond, and yourself. Talk a little bit about how all that came about and uh, speak about what that judges table is going to look like. Well, this is the first time that I've heard the list of the judges that you've just given me, so it should be pretty good. One of the guys I have a great deal of respect for as a judge has been Dominique. Dominique and I are about the same height, and when you look at a dunk contest, most of the guys today jump from the floor to the rim. We like to jump over the square back in our day just to get the same effect that these smaller guys get. So this is going to be very interesting to see how this judging is going to be. The other part to this is this will be the first opportunity I get a chance to be recognized as the first NBA damn slam dunk winner. They have yet to ever recognize me since the very first one in 77 and didn't come back until 84. So all the other champs have been recognized, but this will be my first, I think. On the NBA level, that is. And that is what is so special about this. And it, it, it is sad in a way as well, too. Not in a way, in a much way. Because here you were in the very first NBA slam dunk contest. And for those that don't know, you know, the ABA had full, uh, were full of dynamite dunkers. And you were, you know, the highlight of all those. And you won some ABA slam dunk contest before it was even fashionable in the NBA. And so for you to finally be recognized, I think that is fantastic. It is long, long overdue. But you got to say, Darnell, that it's really cool that it's going to be in the the city that drafted you as well, too. And then you played there, not only the ABA, but the NBA for the Pacers. So, I mean, that crowd has got to go crazy uh, honoring you, as they should. But you're right, man. Uh, People need to know that uh, this is long overdue because you were the very first NBA Slam Dunk Contest champion. I'm looking forward to that part right there of what you just expressed because I've got a lot of friends here in town. Once they made the announcement that I was going to be a judge, like I said, my phone has just been blowing up like mad. Congratulating me or those saying, hey, it's about time. Make sure you have a good time. I'm just going to go down here and see how they feel about me, and then we'll go from there. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you participated in a time where, like I said, it was the infancy of the slam dunk contest, and you mentioned 1977. Now, when you go back, it wasn't, you know, part of All-Star Weekend or anything like that, right? That was the NBA Finals, and I believe it was in Portland, you know, with the Portland Trailblazers, and, you know, this is the late 70s, like you said, 77, and you defeated one of the greatest players of all time. And a lot of people may not remember this, but you defeated Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the semifinals. Now, we don't see a bunch yeah. of seven-footers back in those days that were, were in the slam dunk contest. But then in the championship, then you went against Larry McNeil and you took it to him. To kind of go back to that point in time, how it all came about, and talk about what that was like about, okay, sending Kareem to the showers and then beating Larry McNeil for the very first championship. Well, you know, going up against Kareem in the semis in Milwaukee during the All-Star break at his home, <laughs> there's a coin toss. They flip the coin. I 
won the coin toss, so I had him, I elected him to go first. Kareem could jump. He just didn't do it in play, but he did a Duncan warm-up that just terrified me. I'm thinking, <laughs> if this guy does this, he's going to win this thing. So my dunks were all in numbers, and my number one dunk became my number five, and my number five dunk, my best one, became number one. Mm-hmm. Beating Kareem and then having to stay in shape until the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So that championship game that you're speaking of, and then going up against Larry McNeil out in Portland. I was very excited about it. And when I saw Larry doing two-hand dunks, doing chin-ups, and he did that five times in a row, I'm thinking, oh, I got a real good shot at taking this. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you go back, and if anybody goes and and looks at the video from this, I mean, there's Darnell in the blue shorts. It's like a a white tank top. You got your number on the back. I mean, it's it's crazy. And then at post-game, you're being interviewed there, and... I believe it's got the bottle shop. You still got that bottle shop shirt? Do you remember that shirt? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, The bottle shop was a wine company here in town. They were our summer league sponsor for softball. (laughs) So once they found out that I was going to be in the finals, they asked if I would wear that shirt as a warm-up. And, yes, I still have that shirt. Is that right? Now, Darnell, I hope there is a serious endorsement fee from the bottle shop there, or are they just loading you up with uh, with free beer and wine and, and your finest liquor? <laughs> Man, they're in it just like everyone else. They got to make their cash. They're not giving that out. Oh, but, no, being that, they, being that they sponsored us, I was more than happy to do it for them. Uh, Darnell Hillman joins us. Dr. Dunk, the original Dr. Dunk. 10-year NBA and ABA veteran. Uh, Those of us that are old enough and remember the ABA, it was highlight real material all the time. The red, white, and blue ball, but the the pace of the game, the showmanship, all that stuff. Uh, What do you say to the younger generation uh, about the ABA days, man? And, and, And what do you remember most or most fondly about those days? Well, you know, today's kids are really hard to reach in talking about past history. They're they're more involved with the current players and who's making how much money. And if you're not, uh, you know, one of those multimillionaires, they really don't listen to you. So the only thing I could suggest to the kids today is get on your YouTube because you all have phones. Go to 1977 and take a look at the slam dunk contest, and you'll also get to see some of the uh, – those old basketball games that we played there back then at that time. And they'll understand now that the ABA style of play, a seven-footer, if he could handle the ball and shoot the three, that's where they had him at. The NBA, a seven-footer, is going to play in the paint. So we changed the entire look of the game that you are watching today. Big guys are playing outside. The middle's open. Smaller guys are driving to the hoop, shooting that jump. And, and see, that's the thing too. I mean, you, know, you were drafted, you know, by by the NBA, but you elected to to go to the ABA. Talk a little bit about that decision. I got drafted in the first round, number eight, mm-hmm. behind Sidney Wicks and Curtis Rowe uh, by the Golden State Warriors. I had already been out to Indianapolis. They had offered me a contract. I sat down in front of the Warriors. 
asked them to, uh, if they matched it or let me see what they were going to offer, I would consider playing there because that was home for me. Right. They asked for 24 hours, 36 hours later, I contacted my advisor because we not heard back from the, from the Warriors and I said, Hey, let's get on the plane and go to Indy. And best decision I made, back-to-back championships with this franchise, which is the last time uh, the franchise has won championships. So it's been 1973 was our last win here. I just want to be here when they win an NBA title. And, and think about that. I mean, Darnell Hillman was the eighth overall pick in the NBA draft, and he went to the ABA. And that shows you exactly how well the ABA was thought of, you know, back then, because you said it was more of a freewheeling, you know, type of uh, uh, league where you could showcase your skills and everything. I mean, there was a big difference. When you go back into the early 70s, mid 70s, you look at ABA games compared to NBA games, it was different, man. I mean, you had games, like I said, in the 120s, in the 130s, the highlight reel, the dunks, the showmanship and all that, and, and just the in-game experience was totally different where the NBA was was kind of bottled up, you know what I'm saying, at that point in time, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, they played, they had their plays uh, where they wanted to run down the floor, and the big the big guy was always an intricate part in the NBA. So the ball always started with him. If he could get off, great. If not, then he had some release points to go to. The ABA, we wanted a wide open, fast pace, and making sure that, hey, if you couldn't play defense, we're going to take advantage of you all night long. <laughs> you know, you were known for the acrobatic dunk dunks okay but if you go back and watch any video or see any pictures you're also known for the fro you had the fro back in the days and then you know you were you were in the army man and you you refused to cut your fro right i mean you're rolling around with the pick and the fro and everything you were saying no nah, man this this is my identity it's not going anywhere right uh when i came out of the service when i came out of the army i saw a a snapshot of Angela Davis. <laughs> and she had this beautiful afro. And I said, that's exactly what I'm doing right there. <laughs> and I started growing it from that point there. So after I got it out there, I used to comb it nine times a day just to keep it well-groomed and looking because I didn't want the coach saying anything to me about my my hair. Because you're right, that was my identity at that time. Mm-hmm. We had statements to make, and that was my statement. There it is. All right, Dr. Dunk, Darnell Hillman. It seems the dunk contest has lost a little bit of its luster over the years. And again, it was, it was heightened. You, you started it, but then it was heightened, you know, there in the eighties and even the early nineties. You mentioned Dominique Wilkins. We saw what Michael Jordan did. And then, you know, they started going to the novelty stuff, you know, when you get guys like, you know, Spud Webb and, and, and the smaller guys and all that thing. Right. Uh, but you know, over the years, man, it just has lost its luster. I, I'm really curious to get your take on that. And what would you like to see changed about this, especially coming from the guy who won the very first slam dunk contest? Well, you know, what they're doing now are all these gimmicks, jumping over cars and jumping over people. I always tried to do my dunks based on if there were any ball game where the defense was and whether or not I could pull that dunk off. So everything for me, was based on being in action. What I'm seeing of these guys today is a showmanship, you know, that they can do these, these kinds of things. But 
what I, I often fail to talk about is when I was in college, I was a high jumper, and I cleared seven feet. So every day at practice, I kicked the, the bottom of the rim, or excuse me, kicked the bottom of the backboard with my foot and land on my feet. On a good day, I could kick the rim and land on my feet. So that uh, when I look at these guys today, yes, they're small, but they're like I said, they're playing from the floor just to the rim. Right. I like to see them get elbows and shoulders and look over down inside the rim kind of thing. And we have very few guys that do that anymore. And some of the bigger stars today, I don't know why they don't want to participate. That might be the reason or, or cause of it is the look now is at the smaller guys and all of the speed and action that they do in jumping to dunk the ball. You know, did you in, in later years after you're well retired and then you saw, you know, some of the dunks that these guys were attempting and like you said, using some of the gimmicks and all that sort of thing. Did you ever look back and say, Hey, mm, let's see. Maybe, maybe if I had to redo it all over again, maybe I'd incorporate this or incorporate that or a prop or something. Anything like that ever go through your mind? And if so, you know, what, what would, uh, what would Dr. Dunk Darnell Hillman look like uh, in this day and age in a dunk contest? If I were able to compete today, the only prop out there would be the use of the backboard. Mm-hmm. Grab the side of the backboard, pull yourself around, swing over, and dunk that ball down. Uh, and I used to dunk the ball all the way up to my armpit and then pull my arm out before I came down. Mm-hmm. So that that glass backboard would be my only asset out there. That and whatever creativity I could come up with in my mind. All right. He is Dr. Dunk Darnell Hillman. He is going to be honored this weekend in Indianapolis. Uh, his team, back in the day, the Indiana Pacers, they are hosting the game. Ten-year phenomenal NBA and ABA career, the very first NBA slam dunk champion. Now, when we look, talk about that panel that, you, that uh, your judges with Dominique, Fred Jones, all right, Gary Payton and Mitch Richmond, they're not famous for dunk. How do they get on this panel here? I think you better say something, D, about this. Like, wait a minute. I mean, what do you? I'd, I'd look over who at Peyton. I'd say, who am I to say anything? You're the, you're the champ. You're the champ, man. You're the champ, man. You are the original champ. The original champ. You got the bottle shot shirt still, man. These guys don't. Come on. I don't know what I can say to them that they would listen to me. Uh, uh, okay, so let, let's talk about this then. Now, also, uh, you've got, uh, you're, like I said, you're going to be honored, and you're going to be uh, with a panel, I believe it is, you know, coming up here in the next day or two with uh, George Gervin, Dr. J, Julius Irving, a guy that you competed against back in the day, and uh, Larry Bird and others, right? Correct. Uh, hopefully, these guys all show up. I'm just now getting downtown right now, getting ready to go in the building. And I have not heard whether or not um, everyone is here yet, but I'm I'm excited to see those guys again equally as well to, and talk about the ABA days. Mm-hmm. Darnell, i got to ask you, you know, about uh, the three-point challenge that we're going to see here uh, as well. we got the specialty gimmick here uh, with Steph Curry against Sabrina Nescu. Now, you follow the WNBA as well as the NBA. Uh, give me your thoughts uh, about this. And how do you think it'll go off, and, and who are you picking here? Well, 
you know, I'd like to give it to the young lady, but Mr. Curry, yeah. and it is Mr. Curry. <laughs> if he gets it in his eye and his shot is on, I don't think there's a shot on the court that he can't make. Man. And consistently back to back to back. So uh, I'm going to probably give him the edge, but he can always have an off night and she could be on and lights out. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see. Now, you know, this comp- some of this competition is going to be constructed on a glass floor. I don't know if you've, you've, you've seen the glass floor yet or been on it, but uh, wh- what are we doing here? Why, why, why are we shooting on a glass? Now, the game itself is going to be on a wooden floor, but every- the other festivities are going to be on a glass floor. What can you tell us about that? I have not seen the glass floor, and actually this is the first that I've uh, heard about it. I'm curious to see just how that's going to work. Now, I have seen a glass floor on TV, but I'm not, and I was not aware that they're having one here. But, again, that will be another eye-opener for me as I go inside here. Actually, i got to get inside here and get ready for the all right. Well, you go. Do, you go do your thing, brother. Always great talking with you. Uh, we'll be watching you uh, this weekend uh, on television. Enjoy the festivities, judging the slam dunk contest, man. And uh, much love for you, my man. Same here, my friend. And I'll give you a call when I'm done. Sounds good. Appreciate you. All right. There he is. Okay, man. Darnell Hillman, Dr. Dunk, proud member of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, his hometown as well, too. And uh, again, you know. In Sacramento, he is just idolized, and especially by that generation that saw him play high school, college, played at San Jose State. Again, number eight overall pick going back into the draft in the early 70s, and the Warriors drafted him, and he said, you know what? The ABA, they they, they drafted me too. They had their own draft. And he goes, let's see who's got the money, who wants me more. And uh, he gave the Warriors... 24 hours. Didn't hear back from him in 36. He goes, take the deal in Indiana. And uh, now he's Indiana Pacers royalty. They won two championships there with the Pacers. And that is the last time that the Pacers uh, have won a championship. They couldn't get it done with Reggie Miller. Couldn't get it done with those Larry Bird coach teams and others. Uh, They gave it a run, as we know. Went to the finals. Went to many Eastern Conference finals. Couldn't get it done. But when Darnell Hillman was there... uh, that was a that was a great time, and again for those that you know aren't old enough for you know don't remember you know the ABA or whatever exciting times no question about it and uh, you know good for the NBA to uh, to highlight him and those other past superstars because gotta remember I mean that's where George Gervin started all right that's where Dan Issel started that's <laughs> you know where Julius Irving started that's where it all started and then when you look at this year's slam dunk contest. Here's your your uh, players, your competitors. Jalen Brown, Jaime Jaquez, fresh out of college from UCLA. Mac McClung, all right, went to Texas Tech. And remember, he won the contest last year. You know, what's, uh, Mac McClung, what, six foot two? And then uh, Jacob Toppin, who's playing with the Knicks. That's it. How excited. Wait, who? How, Jacob Toppin. No, no. Who? All four. Who? All four. I I know one person on that. Yeah, Jalen Brown. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But not really even a household name, you know, when you're talking about the superstars. Yeah. The this is your slam dunk competitors. And I want to know how bad that floor is gonna mess with everybody's eyes. To have LEDs shining up at you yeah. 
that's going to mess with people. You're hundred percent. You're going to see different colors. You're going to see different logos. This, and the, they're all the dunk contest floor is blue, <laughs> straight like it is straight honest blue. Right. Like it's just and it's going to be blue lights up at you. But I'm thinking that that is going to change during the course of the competition. I bet it doesn't stay blue. It could be red. It could be yellow. No, could be I think orange. they're doing all different, all of the competitions yeah. under different colors. Because- okay. All right. Yeah. But uh, then again, they're going to play the game on Sunday on the traditional wooden floor. But yeah. Now, the company that made this glass floor, they're from Germany. And they've done some stuff like with FIFA and all that sort of yeah. thing. It, it, but this is more, you know, concert material and this kind of stuff, yeah. you know? You know, dance stuff, showmanship, but this is where we're at in this day and age. I mean, you go back and, you know, 30, you know, even 20, 30 years ago, you think you'd see something like this? No. I mean, it's, it, it, it's crazy. I guarantee you this, this will make terrible Tuesday. I think you're right. I think this, it, no matter what about it, it's going to make terrible Tuesday. You know, um, I'm looking forward to the slam dunk contest, but only for Darnell. And to see the judges and to see, you know, he's going to take this very, very serious. And the other judges as well, too. I mean, those guys are the superstars. And then they're judging these guys that, that aren't even all-stars. I mean, outside, aside from Jalen Brown. I mean, are you kidding me? And he's right. To see where this dunk contest is gone, you know, with the smaller guy. But name recognition, like he said. He goes, I don't know why the why the bigger guys don't do it. Well. Because they don't need the money, they don't want to risk injury. Uh, they think it's a a, a little too much. And I'll t- here's another factor too, as well too, is they don't want to get embarrassed. They don't want to get embarrassed. But there's only a handful of guys that don't care about that that will go ahead and put themselves out there and put themselves on a line. But none of those guys in the dunk contest are superstars, and they really got nothing to lose. It's like, hey. You know, I, I this can make a name for them. Exactly. This is what this is right. what right. McClung is going to be known for for the next year. If he wins it this year, yeah, he's the back to back slam dunk contest. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It, and look who you beat. You know. And again, and a lot of these guys are not real innovative. That's been my biggest complaint with the slam dunk contest that you don't see these guys, you know, really getting innovative and they try some some stupid stuff. But then a lot of times they can't even complete the dunk. I mean, how many times are we going to see, okay, you know, we're lobbing up in the air on the bounce. Oh, I, oh, oh, my bad. Got to do it again. Uh, give me a mulligan. Let's do a do-over. I mean, it just, it doesn't have that flow, doesn't have that rhythm uh, that it did before. So that's, that's the biggest complaint. And remember, there have been, talk, there's been talk almost like what we've seen with the NFL and the Pro Bowl that's like, okay, maybe we should just get rid of this. Maybe we should get rid of the slam dunk contest, but there is so much great history. But what, what's the last great history? 20 years? 30 Vince, years ago? Vince, right? Cedric Ceballos right. going blindfolded. There, there you go, I right? Mean, right. And that's, that's semi modern day, but that's, that's really not yeah. even modern day. No. You got to go back 20 years for that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Now, you're a younger guy. I, I'm, I am. I'm sure that you have never saw that footage before of Darnell Hillman. In the old slam dunk. Contest. No, I was just. Uh, All right. So what, I was, what is, I was what watching you, it. So what is your take on that? If I'm a judge, he's getting like a four six. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like because but those dunks back those in dunks those days, back in the day, yeah, the reverse dunk or, or a windmill. I mean, that was highlight that, real material. He got eight. He got eight five nine and nine five. Yeah, and there were like again back in those days, judges weren't just handing out tens. 
You know? Yeah. Not liberal tens. No, he was he got he got one nine five yeah. out of all of those dunks that that I saw. I was like, that's like a four five four six. That's you know, like yeah, uh, four five somewhere in that range. Yeah, but uh, yeah, again, it was it was totally new. Got to remember, it was in its infancy, you know, back in those days at that point in time. So uh, different era, and now we're seeing guys that don't even matter as far as you know. NBA players. We've got a glass floor. We've got LED lighting. Uh, we've got showmanship. We've got, you know, nonstop hip hop music going and guys that are just there to be seen. Now, I know Darnell said he can't dunk. Mm. Can Neek still dunk, you think? Yeah. See, I mean, because now, now Neek's I, I, a little bit younger, but still. I have, I have an actual like competition right here. This, this would be fun. The winner dunk off against Neek. Yeah. <laughs> Think Jordan can still dunk? Who? Think Jordan can still no. dunk? No. You don't think so? No. So, But you think Dominique can? I think Nick can probably still dunk. Well, a lot, a lot of beat up wear and tear on those knees. I know. But you think that, okay, say if you're like 6'6 six, six or so, all right, 6'7, you should still be able to, to get up a little bit to dunk. You would think so, right? Yeah. Now, for the 6'1, six, 6'2 six, guy, 6'3 guy, I understand. Next time we have Tracy Murray on, I'm going to ask Tracy that question. If he can still dunk? If he can still dunk. Yes. Okay, because he was even a little bit younger than you know Dominique and this and that. But, you know, we see how beat up he is, right? Interesting. That that would give us a good uh, a good idea. Darnell's about the same age as Cartwright, correct? Uh, older. Older? Older, yeah. Okay. Yeah, older by about six years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I've seen how beat up he is, and right, there's no way in hell he's dunking. No, no ever. No, no, no. Like like Darnell said, uh, feet not leaving the floor. Exactly. <laughs> All right, appreciate that. So watch the NBA All Star Weekend. Uh, Doctor Doug Darnell Hillman will be part of the Slam Dunk Judging Crew. Pretty good crew. I'm looking. I'm looking for more forward to that just to see the scores that Dominique Wilkins, Fred Jones, Gary Payton, and Mitch Richmond and Darnell. You know, give. Uh, these dunkers. All right. And we'll talk a little bit more about Steph Curry and Sabrina Nescu. Uh, that for me is what I'm really interested in. Yeah. I'm interested. In, and just to put a topper on this, which I mentioned about guys not wanting to, to put themselves out there. Steph Curry is putting himself out. There. Oh, Steph is, do- Steph was wanting it since day one. He's putting himself out there because he could face a lot of ridicule. All right. And uh, I'm not going to say embarrassment, but. People will give him shots if he gets beat by Sabrina Nescu. And the grief that he would get would be totally undeserved because if it, those would be the people who have never seen Sabrina Nescu shoot. Okay. She can shoot. Yeah. All right. She had made more three pointers than anybody last season. What she did here in Vegas during the All Star, you know, weekend was, you know, phenomenal. Okay. Granted. But me personally, and I'll, I'll say this again and I'll say it to anybody out there, I'd rather see KP go against Steph Curry. I'd rather see that. But there's a story here because Sabrina Nescu is a Bay Area girl, grew up idolizing Steph Curry, used to go to Warrior Games. Steph would take his daughters to go watch her play in college when she was at Oregon. And she they, they'd play at Cal in the Pac-12. So there's a little history. They've met before. She's called him out. He's called her. Exactly. Ex- so that's good. But it's a little bit of jarring back. In, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And 
I say that it, it has credence because she is the champion of the last WNBA three-point shooter you know, uh, contest. So, okay, so you've got Steph Curry, the greatest that we've seen in the NBA, versus the current WNBA three-point shooting champion. Okay? Now, I've seen Sabrina go on some real cold spells as well, too. But Steph Curry is putting himself out there. He is putting himself out there, but I love that. But win or lose, he is going to handle himself like a true pro. And there would be no shame if he lost, and he'll play it off. Hey, congratulations on her because he's a class act. You know, no question about it. All right, let's, before we go to the break, let's talk to Big Mo. What's going on, Big Mo? What's up, man? You tell me. Listen to you about the, uh, I'm listening to you about the dunk contest. I'll tell you. I was probably at the last dunk contest that involved two all-stars and two players. I think it was probably 85-86 in Chicago, and Dominique Wilkins was going against uh, MJ, Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. That might be the last one where real superstars were in the dunk contest. I agree with you. I, I mean, that was it. And, and people still talk about that. And there were some decent dunk contests after that. But as far as name recognition and what the public, who the public wanted to see with those two guys, not only supreme all stars, but like you said, supreme dunkers as well, too. And, and after that, yeah. you know, those guys, I think competed in, in, in a couple more. And then they said, okay, we're hanging it up. And that kind of started the wave. Wouldn't you agree that, you know, the superstars said, okay, uh, I, I don't need this. Yeah, I think part of it, oh, you're, you're right. I think some guys don't want to, you know, be embarrassed or whatever. I think my, my opinion, they should open up and have an open division of one spot, uh, of a dunker that, uh, through the years, you know, through the year submits video. Cause there's some dunk, dunkers around the world that do dunk contests that are phenomenal. And that would bring some excitement in. But, you know, that one in Chicago that I was at, First of all, Jordan won it. It was in Chicago. I think Dominique got, got ripped off. And it was finesse of Michael Jordan against the power dunks yeah. of Dominique Wilkins. And it was amazing. It yeah. was, and people, people were talking about it. But then over the years, you know, it just kind of faded. Yeah, no, you're right. And talk about being in that building on that night, too. I mean, total electricity, right? Yeah, I mean, I. You know, I played in there. You know, you go down into the into the tunnel with the crappy locker room. But I was I was with Linda, my wife, in the stands and watching it from you know thirty rows up. And yeah. you know, you get a different perspective and a different feel. And you know, MJ was just coming into his own. And you know, uh, some of the dunks those guys were doing were for, were phenomenal. And if you could see those and like the way they do it now with the three D cameras and all that angles. Yeah, people wouldn't believe what was going on. And by the way, I dunked till I was fifty, and then that was it. It's not. It's not the jumping. It's the landing, brother. Right, right, right. More importantly, <laughs> at seven foot. Okay, I don't know how you fit in those seats at Chicago Stadium, thirty rows up, man. How'd you? Your legs had to be in the aisle. There's no way you were comfortable sitting in a regular seat at the old Chicago Stadium. Yeah, a little crammed in, but. I was way more flexible back then, so I could bend a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Linda said, too. Oh, easy. easy. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for thanks. Good seeing you today, and uh, good checking in. We'll and we'll get you back on the show here, man. And uh, give me the winner. Is it is it Sabrina or Steph? Who wins it? Uh, 
I, I, I agree that if Steph gets going, it's him. Yep. Uh, I, you know, I mean, did you see the shot he made last night? I did. I did. I, yeah, phenom- I mean, but we who, see that on a regular basis. I, he's he's amazing, man. He's, he's amazing. I mean, who does that? Who does that? But you know what, though, I agree. Whoever gets hot, I mean, you you run a couple racks, and you know now you're on a roll. And you know what? There will be a little pressure on Steph. I'm happy he's doing it, but you know if he loses, yeah, you know he gets some crap from a lot of the guys for the remainder of the season. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and that's why, Mo, he is going to take this very, very seriously. You know he's out there, you know, every three-point shootout that he has participated in, he takes it very, very seriously. He wants to win. And now with this, with all eyes on this, it, he, he's, he's going to take this very, very seriously. And it'll be interesting to see how Sabrina reacts, you know, on the biggest stage she's had as well. And, again, I've seen her, you know, fire up air balls. And I, I don't see that with Steph. So I just think, it, like I said, it, it, Steph is is locked in, and which I'm sure I know he's going to be. Uh, I, I think that he wins this thing, and you know you can you can wager on this at our sports books as well too. So what's the over under? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I remember. I think the last uh, when we talked about this being a prop, and, and we'll talk uh, to Jay Cornegay about this tomorrow. I think Steph was like a three to one favorite. Right, yeah. but you're absolutely right, though. I played golf with Steph back in the day when. I was with Charlotte, and uh, he was at Davidson, and he is one of. And I played against Michael Jordan, and I played against Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Steph is one of the most competitive people I've ever been around. No doubt, no doubt, brother. All right, man, be good. Good seeing you. We'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good, man. You got it. there. Is Paul McKeski? There it is, uh, the seven footer himself. Uh, chiming in. Appreciate him as always. All right, we come back. Uh, we'll give you an update on uh, the. Kansas City Chiefs uh, parade from yesterday in the shooting. We'll give you an update on that. Next hour, Scott Spritzer is going to be in the house as well as Kevin Kruger. And we'll talk to him regarding the Rebels' victory over Fresno State last night and their five-game win streak. There's more in store around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, don't forget, we'll be back at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook tomorrow. It's our Friday show. Come on out, see the show live. Natalie Williams will join us, the general manager of the Las Vegas Aces. We'll talk to her regarding free agency, uh, just concluded free agency. And the Aces, of course, pulled it off again. Uh, had a couple good free agent signings. Megan Gustafson, who spent time with the uh, Phoenix Mercury and uh, Washington Mystics and a couple other teams. Uh, she will join the Aces uh, coming off the bench. And Candace Parker re-signs with the Aces. And that will work out very nicely. And uh, Candace, we expect a full training camp for her. She'll be 100% healthy. And, of course, you know she's doing a lot of broadcasting right now with the TNT and uh, she'll, she'll be doing the college basketball tournament as well as uh, the NBA. And then uh, she'll roll back into Las Vegas. So we'll talk to Natalie Williams regarding that. Plus, uh, very interested to get Natalie Williams' thoughts on the matchup, on the three-point challenge coming up this weekend between Steph Curry and Sabrina Inescu. And uh, Sabrina Inescu you know, spends a decent amount of time here in Las Vegas, as we've talked about before. Uh, I really like her a lot. Class act. 
uh, very humble, uh, Bay Area girl. Just, I really like her. Really like her. She's a fiery competitor. And, you know, when the Aces are playing the Liberty, it's, you know, We'll get some John going back and forth uh, and everything, but uh, she definitely is a class act. And, you know, her fiancé is a member of the Las Vegas Raiders, offensive lineman for the Raiders. So, yeah, spends a, a good amount of time here in Las Vegas. And uh, it would be great at one point in time if she did end up in Las Vegas. Uh, she's a superstar. There's no question about it. And she would love to be a member of the Aces. You know, she won't say that publicly, but... Deep down inside, she would love to be a member of the Aces, like just about anybody would. All right, so a uh, fun show on tap again tomorrow. Coming your way at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook. Jay Cornegay, uh, Marco D'Angelo will be joining me as well. So make sure you come on by, see the show live. And again, we'll start uh, talking some hoops as we turn the page here from Super Bowl, the NFL, to uh, college basketball and the NBA uh, All-Star Weekend coming up this weekend. All right, uh, great stuff there with Darnell Hillman, the original Dr. Dunk, great friend. And that interview will be up on the website a little bit later on today, so make sure you go back and listen to that as he'll be judging the Slam Dunk Contest along with uh, Dominique Wilkins, Fred Jones, Gary Payton, Mitch Richmond, and very cool that the Indiana Pacers and the NBA honoring the very first NBA Slam Dunk champion in Darnell Hillman. All right, uh, we did want to get you up to date on the information regarding the Chiefs parade yesterday. We talked about that at length because obviously it was breaking news while we were on the air yesterday. But uh, to kind of give you an update uh, on uh, the shooting and that happened at the end of the Kansas City Chiefs parade yesterday, uh, all in all now 22 injured. Um, those that were injured, they had found out, or ages, a wide ranger, from ages of 8 to 47. One dead, and that person has been identified as Lisa Lopez Galvin. She was a popular DJ, uh, described as a real extrovert. And uh, so she was a DJ there in the Kansas City area. Unfortunately, um, she lost her life in this this sad, sad uh, tragedy. Now, more info that is that is coming out uh, from the story is that anytime something like this happens, people start talking about, is it a terrorist act? All right. Well, they've ruled that out. And what they have found out after, you know, capturing two of the three, uh, well, actually capturing all three of the suspects, two of the three were teenagers, teenagers, juveniles. They had guns, several guns, and now this is believed to be a dispute. No one was targeted here. If anyone was targeted, and I don't want to, again, this is just speculation, but it could have been Lisa Lopez Galvin that could have been targeted because she is the one that got shot, was dead, and an argument ensued. There was a dispute, an altercation with uh, several teenagers, and they had guns with them. So obviously no one of the Kansas City Chiefs were a target here. Uh doesn't seem like it was like just a random shooting. We're going to shoot up people in the crowd. But it sounded like this argument, this dispute escalated. And we don't know if Lisa Lopez Galvin, Lisa G, her DJ name, was the one that was here, you know, targeted. 
But uh, again, 22 people overall injured in this, unfortunately, one dead. So we'll, we'll get more and more information about this. Uh, Quentin Lucas, the mayor of Kansas City, uh, spoke on this uh, earlier today. And uh, now, of course, you know, people are saying, well, does this mean the end of parades? Does this mean the end of parades in Kansas City since this happened? Uh, obviously, this is an isolated event. Here is what Quentin Lucas, the mayor of Kansas City, had to say. Unfortunately, this is not the first shooting at a parade in our country or a rally. That is certainly a tragic uh, incident for us because we don't have experience with them. You asked the chief at the outset, is this Kansas City? Well, we've had parades like this before. We had one last year without this type of incident. We had a Kansas City Royals victory parade where we had almost no arrests in 2015. So I don't think in any way that this is Kansas City. I do think that there is a gun violence challenge in this community and many others, and there certainly is a gun violence challenge as it relates to major events. That, however, does not mean that Kansas City will stop having major events. We will do all we can to make sure people are safe, and that's why I think you're seeing so many people at KCPD and the Kansas City Fire Department doing work to address that. All right, Mayor of Kansas City, uh, Quentin Lucas, I really liked what he had to say there. Uh, came across uh, very strong, very professional, and uh, you know, obviously close to his heart here, and he's 100% right. Uh, there is a gun violence problem not only in that community, but in most communities uh, throughout our country. Uh, guns are too uh, easily accessible, obviously. And, and when, when kids and when teenagers have guns in their hands and can get them uh, very, very quickly and easily, uh, that, that's a major problem. And again, I'm not going to go off on that. It's not this, this type of show. But the bottom line is what he said is very, very accurate. No, it should not be that we should not have parades anymore. It should not be that uh, Kansas City doesn't hold parades. And I loved what he said. You had a parade there last year. All right. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have had multiple parades, right? Three of the last five years. You go back to 2015, the Kansas City Royals had their victory parade where 800,000 fans were there. This is a community with just over 400,000 that reside there. And if you look at the whole metropolitan area, it takes you a little bit over a million people uh, in the suburbs and you know within a 20, 30-mile radius outside of Kansas City. So you're getting double the population at these parades. And for the most part, everyone has behaved fine. I think when you go back to 2015, when the Royals won the World Series, when they had that parade, I believe there was either no arrests or very few arrests at all. So, you know, for people to say, okay, shut down parades, this, that, no. You know what you do? You just you stop the nonsense. You try to curtail the, the nonsense and and try to curtail, you know, people purchasing guns, getting their hands on guns, however that is. But that's another, you know, bigger conversation uh, in a detailed conversation. But obviously it's a problem, you know, not only in America, but throughout the world as we know. So a very, very sad day uh, yesterday. But uh, the Chiefs, if anybody, if the city of Kansas City, they know a thing or two about holding parades. And they do it at an exceptional you know, rate. There are over 800 police officers that were stationed there, uh, not only regular police officers, undercover, uh, other organizations as well, too. Tons of security uh, there yesterday. And it was just one of those unfortunate incidents where uh, you get some knuckleheads, just a handful of knuckleheads out there 
They want to bring guns in. They want to cause some problems and, and start an argument, start a fight, can't control their emotions, and they start shooting. Just ridiculous and very, very unfortunate. Uh, 22 injured, one dead. And uh, we'll get more and more about this and the motive. I'm sure, again, these teenagers are in custody right now, and I'm sure that we will be hearing more about this in the next couple of days. I have audio of the actual gunshots, like the actual gunfire. Do you want to, do you want to be able to hear that? Mm. I mean, it's, you can kind of hear the crowd in the beginning and at the end you hear them scramble. I mean, it's up to you. Go ahead and play it. Yeah. Wow. And that very, very sad. And, uh, you know, the police have asked for anyone who was there to please uh, share video, uh, share their phones, anything that they they took. And again, still uh, ongoing investigation, still a very live investigation at this point in time uh, right now. So um, it's too bad that a celebratory parade had to end like this. And uh, of the whatever number of people that were there, if you want to say 500, 800,000, where no one, you know, thought that uh, they were going to be having to deal with this and you shouldn't, even have to worry about that. Uh, school was out in the municipal area of Kansas City yesterday and the surrounding communities, and that's why there were so many kids uh, that were at the parade. All right, we come back. We'll talk a little UNLV Runner Rebel basketball. Kevin Kruger will join us. We'll get his thoughts. Uh, after the 67-65 victory last night, Rebs are playing well. Lady Rebs get another victory last night. They improved to 21-2. and That was a uh, Fun to be at last night as well, too. So we'll do that. Scott Sparks will be in the house, and we'll talk some handicapping with both the NBA and college basketball as well. Glad to have you with us here on this Thunderous Thursday. Takes the handoff. He drives the lane. He takes it to the house. Bouncing off defenders. He just laid it in. He just put it up and in. 56 seconds to play. Oh, by the way. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Game seven is over. It's an instant classic. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A three for the game. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. You've got to pinch me. The doctor is now in. Hour number two here, and we will talk a little hoop. Like I said, as we officially turn the page from football to basketball, talk a little NBA All-Star Weekend coming up. And then also UNLV Run and Rebels. Congratulations to the Lady Rebels who were victorious last night. Lindy LaRock, shout out to her. She was going to join us today, but uh, she her voice is still recuperating a little bit, you know, from last night. As they had to come from behind, they were down eight points, and they defeated Colorado State uh, 67-64. All right. How about the magic number of, of 67 last night? The UNLV Lady Rebels score 67. And the men, the Runner Rebels, score 67 last night in a victory at Fresno State. UNLV wins its uh, fifth game in a row. Join us now, the head coach, Kevin Kruger. Kev, what's going on, brother? 
Not too much. How you guys doing? I'm good, good, good. All right. So you're you're back from the uh, the Central Valley there in Fresno after a nice little victory, huh? Yeah, good, uh, good road win, and uh, back now to get ready for the next one. You got it. All right, we'll talk about that next one coming up on Saturday. That will be a big one against Reno. But uh, UNLV defeats Fresno State last night, 67-65. Uh, you won your fifth straight game, improved to 14-9 and overall, 7-4 and in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, tell me, Kev, what uh, stood out for you in that game? Um, I think I was just sticking with it. You know, we just... Uh, problem solving and figuring things out and, and just continuing to compete and uh you know it's, a, it's, a, it's always tough to win games on the road in this conference and and so to go out and, uh, and come home with the win is uh most important and so i think just uh sticking with it and doing what we need to do to get a win so you guys had the defensive stand there on the final possession and you had the ball with uh you know 30 seconds to go in uh with a two-point lead and trying to break the pressure that Fresno State gave you in the backcourt there, ended up turning it over. Fresno State gets the ball, and uh, they call a timeout. I'm, I'm curious, in your huddle, tell me what the message was to the guys. You're protecting a two-point lead. Obviously, you know you played some great lockdown defense. Obviously, you didn't want to give up the three. But what did you say to your guys during that final timeout? Um, it was really just a lot of conversation, kind of seeing how they were feeling and what they, how they wanted to guard some actions that we – we're kind of uh, predicting um, that might have been the, the you know, potential possibilities and how they wanted to cover it and how they wanted to talk through it and then uh, just kind of listening to what they were saying and and formulating just as a group what we felt we wanted to go out there and and uh, execute uh, defensively and and guys did pretty good at it and, and forced a really tough shot that ended up of course being uh, the difference in the game. You know, obviously defense. Has been a key for you guys during this win streak, and then last night you hold Fresno State to five for twenty-one shooting from beyond the arc. What has been your defensive philosophy here? Is it is it more trapping, or is it just sound man and ball principle with the defense, or is it mixing up the looks a little bit more often? Kind of talk about what your defensive principles have been. You know, basically from the beginning, has it changed at all? You know, from game to game. Uh, yeah, it's definitely changed. Um, you know, of course, we've we've had some roster change and roster adversity. So, uh, trying to figure out the best way that the group can get things done is is really the goal. But yeah, the 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 main objective is to be disruptive uh, without giving up advantages. And guys have just done a really good job in the last uh, handful of weeks of of being disruptive, taking away good clean looks, and uh, and rebounding it. You know, rebounding was a huge issue for us in the first month or so, and and then uh, the guys have done a much better job as of late, and uh, forcing tough shots and finishing with clean rebounds is a uh, is a start to a good offensive possession. And then lately, we've uh, done a pretty good job of that. Kevin Kruger joins us, UNLV head coach, coming off the victory last night in Fresno, sixty seven sixty five last night. Uh, winners now of five in a row. Kev, what do you think the the key has really been to this five game winning streak where you guys are playing so well? I think just continuing to play confident. You know, we should, uh, we played a lot of really good basketball and, uh, we just need to keep doing that. But, uh, understanding that, you know, that's, that's what we expect. That's who we are. And, and, uh, we've had some really good games and some really big wins this year. And, and we need to play like we believe everything's going to go right and go well. And in the last couple of weeks, that's kind of what we've done. We've walked, uh, walked around, held our chins, uh, 
chins up and put our chests out and, and you know, being confident that things are going to go our way and, and uh, just worked hard toward that. Talk a little bit about your point guard. Dedon Thomas has been fantastic. Uh, he's still very, very young, but seems very calm, cool, collective. And, you know, you've kind of, you know, entrusted him here, you know, to run the offense. Talk about your thoughts uh, on his performance so far in his first season with you. Well, he just keeps getting better. Um, every game, every every week, he's just continuing to learn and get better and adjust uh, so that he can continue to make an impact on the game. And uh, he's around a good good group of guys, a bunch of veterans with a lot of experience who have um, done a good job of, of also uh, making it work. And and then, but at the end of the day, you know, he just he, he works hard, plays the game the right way, and uh, but uh, he just continues to adjust. He just kind of observes and then adjusts. And and every single game that we've gone out, it feels like he's done something. Uh, to improve from the game before. You know, we talked about uh, Rob Whaley before, and again last night, I believe, what, six for seven last night from the field, or even, maybe even better than that. But uh, this is a guy that just continues to be a presence around the rim. He's, he's, he's a ball hawk. And then again, you know, hit one of two free throws there, you know, down the stretch uh, last night. Talk a little bit about uh, his game and, and his continue, I guess what we say is how – well, he's gotten better and better and more acclimated, maybe to the system and what you want him to do. Yeah, I think you just said it perfectly. He just keeps getting better and better, and uh, you know he's just strong. He's he's physical. Um, he kind of brings an element of that uh, toughness that we need. And um, ever since he's gotten more and more minutes and been more comfortable, he's uh, continued to grow and get better. And um, he's really strong down in the post around the rim. And uh, he's doing a really good job guarding the way we need him to. And, and like I say, he's just kind of bringing an element to the team that we really have. So um, it's fun to watch him continue to grow and get better. But, uh, but he's having fun with it. And that's, uh, that's really what's most important about it in terms of getting better is enjoying it, the process and enjoying every day with your teammates and practices. And uh, that's why I think he's, he's got a really bright future and a really bright uh, you know, rest of the year as well. Five double-digit scorers last night. You guys shoot 55%. You guys don't lose games when you guys shoot over 50%. But, you know, what I'm really impressed with, too, and you mentioned, like, the rebounding concerns, you know, maybe earlier in the season. You guys are really dominating the paint. You did it again last night where you outscored in, what, 38-24 to 24 in the paint. That's significant. Talk a little bit about the attention to detail with that and how much of an emphasis has that been coming from you and your coaching staff? Yeah, we've you know, we learned – a handful of weeks ago that, uh, you know, we're just a much better team when we could play inside out. And if we can get the ball to the paint, whether it's a driving kick or a post touch, uh, it just seems to settle us down and we get good looks out of it. And anytime we get good looks and we don't turn the ball over, our, our set defense has been pretty good. So, you know, with one hand, of course, washes the other. So good uh, controlled offensive sets and, and, and good set defense where we know what we're expecting each other to do. Um, they just go hand in hand and, and help each other out. And there's just been a bunch of games lately where we've done a good job on both sides. Mm-hmm. Seven and four in conference right now, but only one game 
uh, out of first place when you look at it. You got kind of a little log jam there at the top. And I mean, how much scoreboard watching are you doing? How, you know, standings looking? Because as we know, you know, seating is pretty important, especially when it comes to the Mountain West Conference tournament. Obviously, you, you don't want to, you know, end up definitely outside of the, uh, you know, the top four. I mean, you want to be in the top four if you can. You want to, you know, get the buy. But talk a little bit about where you're at and how happy are you where you're at basically relatively in the standings for the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, I mean, I actually haven't seen them. I don't really look at them. I just know what our record is. I know we got an important game coming up every single time uh, that we're getting ready. And uh, right now we're just continuing to get better, and we're continuing to play with a lot of confidence. And, um, you know, talk to the guys every now, every couple of days, you know, just a reminder that if we just take care of what we can take care of and handle what we can control or handle and control, then uh, we're going to like where we're at. And as long as that stays our focus, then, you know, we'll love where we're at at the end of the year. Reno coming up on Saturday. All right. 8.30 PM. Actually, it's kind of a doubleheader. The, the Lady Rebels will be playing Air Force at five o'clock. It's going to be a big night. The Thomas and Mac encourage everyone to wear red to the game, but it's a late start. It's Saturday night. The place is going to be jumping, and any time that uh, Reno comes to town, uh, we know that it, everyone's going to be really amped up. Uh, talk a little bit about the game and what you expect to see on Saturday night. Uh, just another really good Mountain West team that's uh, coming into the Thomas and Mac that we've got to understand how hard we have to play and how uh, smart we have to play to give ourselves a chance to win a game. And, um, you know, they're, they're having a great year. Uh, got a bunch of really good basketball players, obviously Hall of Fame coach, and and uh, they're, they're they're just playing really good basketball. So we got to be in tune. We got to play really hard, and we got to enjoy the challenge of uh, winning another Mountain West Conference game. Mm-hmm. It is against Reno. There's the rivalry there. So obviously alumni, boosters, students, they get it. And we know you and I have talked about this in years past that you know with the transfer portal, you may get these players, you know, coming from different parts of the country that really don't understand that rivalry. So talk a little bit about what you've uh you know talked about with the team, even going back when you recruit them early on in the year. Do do you sense that the players really get how much of a rivalry this is and I know that'll probably you know never be in the the mindset where you know with with boosters and, and alumni and people of that nature but just talk a little bit about that aspect yeah you know rivalries are a little different now of course with the with the portal and and people changing places there's not necessarily that that years of of battle of uh in rivalry games but but at the same time, you know, everybody's got a rival, whether it's high school or, or, or the school you transferred from. There's an understanding there of rivalries and, and how important they are. And so, I mean, the guys know. I'm sure they, they see it all over social media, and I'm sure they've they noticed how, you know, the, the, the discussion changes its tone a little bit, uh, even going across other sports um, when Reno's mentioned. And, and so they know that uh, this is a rivalry game, and it's a, it's a big one on Saturday night. And, and we got to do what we, we feel we can control and what we can do to, to have a chance to win. All right. Kevin, appreciate the time. Congratulations again on the victory last night. And you're back home. Get to practice for a couple days here. And then we'll look forward to seeing you on Saturday night as UNLV takes on the Wolfpack of Reno, 8.30 tip-off. All right. We'll see you on Saturday, brother. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. There is Kevin Kruger. Rebels playing some pretty good basketball right now. They've won five straight and doing it in good fashion. 
you know, the playing good defense, hold Fresno State to 65 last night. And, uh, anytime that you get Reno on the schedule, which you have every year, but getting it on a weekend, getting it on a Saturday night, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be big. And I'm looking forward to, to being out there at the game, um, on Saturday night. Uh, last night, I got a chance to go see the Lady Rebels and support Lindy LaRock. Uh, very good ball game last night. I was very curious to go see that game, too, because we were playing Colorado State, and Colorado State is one of the better teams in the Mountain West Conference, even though the record might not show. They had some very, very big wins, and they have the leading score in the conference. And uh, their little point guard is like five foot nothing, but she's averaging 24 a game. She ended up only with 13 points last night, and it was a major struggle. Lady Rebels did a fantastic job of uh, of clamping down last night, but the Lady Rebels definitely the Mountain West Conference favorites again. They are 21 in two right now, just sitting outside of the top 25, uh, you know, in in the rankings. But they are right there, and uh, Lindy LaRocca has his team playing well. Desiree Young, fantastic game again last night, and Numchuck, you were called out last night. I to, know I was, you know, by Lindy to me after the game. Good, yeah. You know, I said, uh, yeah, I said, Numchuck tried to say that, uh, you know, I, I took his tickets. And she said, well, you, you give him a bad time and let him know that, uh, that's fine. You know, he's going to get shamed for this. I'll, t- I'll take the shame. You know, <laughs> I'll take the shame. Now, listen, Saturday, five o'clock. I'll be there. Five o'clock. I will be there. Here, get, get the double header. Then you can go grab, your, grab yourself some food or something in between games and make, make a night of it. Wear some red. I will be there. Don't, don't make promises you can't keep. I will be there. You'll be there. All right. Good stuff. All right. Scott Spritzer is in the house. He traditionally joins us each and every Thursday here. And uh, now the football season is kind of, we've turned the page, looking to basketball. You know, Scott uh, still doing all his uh, his ha- late night handicapping, but we've got got you in a good day, I think, today, don't you? Yeah. Thursday, get yeah. you in studio. Thanks for being here, man. <laughs> oh, it's great to be here with you guys. And you know, that's a TC Martin Grand Slam. Two basketball games, a meal in between, and yes. a meal after. Yes, I mean that's a TC Martin Grand Slam. There it is. You're, you're forgetting <laughs> the, the meal before. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Then you got to throw in another. That, that's the previous any wow. prior inning. That, but, that's uh, even beyond the superfecta. Yeah, that's, I don't know. <laughs> that's there, the, that's superfecta, right? There's a there's a what it's an 8:30 game on Saturday night yeah. at the TNM so I'm I'm putting the over under for photos pictures from the TC Martin post game dinner Ooh. at about 12:45 a.m. 1 a.m. Eastern yeah, uh, Pacific time before it's on Facebook and all that kind of good stuff or is that cutting it a little bit short should it be a little bit later no you know I think I'm making an executive decision right now uh, uh probably not going to be a big there will not be a post game meal on Saturday. Oh, okay. It may, it, okay. May, it may have to be like a Roberto's Tacos or something like that on the way home. That's kind of like. That's always good. I, that's, that's a good, it's a great go to. Oh, yeah. That was my go to last night. And usually after UNLV games, if I don't, you know, yeah. go do a sit down, that's kind of one of, one of the things I resort to. But yeah, I think you're going to see more pictures maybe tomorrow night. I'll, I'll, Got I'll, it. I'll do, you know, cause Friday's like my, my end of the week chill day. Sure. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to, uh, we're, we're the opposite. Friday is my yeah. get your butt working at noon because you're working till midnight I day know. with know. all that Saturday college basketball. Right. But, you know, speaking of Roberto's, they opened up, I, I live in Summerlin and they opened up a Roberto's a couple years ago, not too far from where I live, as you can tell, because I get down at two o'clock in the morning working and it's time to head right? to the Roberto's taco shop. There it is. First time I had Roberto's, I was in San Diego. We're talking probably 89, 88, 89. Yeah. 
and there was me and one other guy, and we we were at my brother's house. He used to live down there, and there's about eight people at the house. It was the Giants Broncos Super Bowl, if you guys recall. And uh, we ran. Me and one other guy ran to Roberto's, and we we went through the drive-through, and I think we ordered like twenty six uh, okay. carne asada tacos, and they looked at us like it had already been legalized. I mean, you know, like these boys are hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bro, so okay. we got about you know three hey, dozen of those, bro. and we ran home back to my brother's house and yeah. pigged out and watched the Super Bowl. So I've been a Roberto's fan since they were just in San Diego, SoCal. Wow. Yeah. See, I wasn't even aware. I thought you know outside of Vegas, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. yeah it's no. It's... But, but it's funny he said that because I'm you know going through the drive-through and you know Wednesday is uh, as Scott well knows it's, it's dollar chicken, fifty dollar fifty dollar fifty tacos dollar fifty nine chicken tacos right and so. Underneath that, it says limit. I'm expecting, okay, what, three per order, maybe that. 12 per order. Limit 12 per order. Now, <laughs> how cool is that? That, that? that they will say, hey, we'll give you 12 of these. And I could just, can't you picture just people coming in, you know, feeding them, their large families, right? But how many times have you seen, well, limit, you know, two or three on these little discount <laughs> specials or, you know, maybe six max? I saw 12. That's I was amazing. blown away. You know? I got a little secret for you. If you guys don't yeah. tell anybody and everybody listening, he doesn't tell their friends. But right over Uh-oh. here on the corner of Jones and Sahara, yeah. it used to be a Taco Bell. And I forget what it is now. I drove past it the other day. But it's a little fast food shop. It used to be a Taco Bell. We're talking 1987, 1988. I had just got into radio, 19 years old, 20 years old. And guess what happens? It's 1988, 1989. And to fortify the income, because back then they paid us like $1.14 an hour and all mm-hmm. the free records you could eat. So... <laughs> I was actually one of those guys you see going in mall parking lots at the age of 19 years old, selling perfume out of the box. Whoa. And I would run to Taco Bell over here yeah. and I would, and I was always in this area. There was yeah. this little, you know, business areas and I'd run over there and just load up on Taco Bell every other day. That's why I look the way I look now. No shot against Taco Bell, but <laughs> you, you, you know, the building that he's talking about. Well, no, the Taco Bell is Fuku Burger. It's Fuku right? Burger. Right. Oh, that's a Fuku Burger now. That's, that's yeah. a great place. Yeah. Yeah. I see, he's uh, always raving about it. I've never had that. Yeah. Where are you talking about? I've been to the one on Jones and Spring Mountain, the Fuku Burger. I didn't know this was a Fuku Burger over here. The, yeah, the one about a couple blocks down, right? No, the one that's right You know right where the power is? Yeah. And then just right down the street here, right on the corner across the street here, across Jones. Oh, right it's, a, it's a Popeye's now. Oh, Popeye's. Okay, yeah. Okay. That's, he's because, talking right here. Because yeah, you I know. It's a Popeye's. You're right. I remember yeah. driving back and forth, okay, but it used to be a Taco Bell. Yeah, and that, okay. was my, that was my meal every other day wow. back in the day. Wow. 79 cents tacos, man, TC. We would have we been best friends back I then. I know. There's no question. <laughs> I, I remember those days in Sacramento. I mean, I remember. I'm old enough to remember when they were like, you know, 19 cents, 29 cents, 39 cents, and they jumped to 79 and this and that. So if I could introduce you... To uh, Jim Boy's tacos. Jim Boy's. Oh, oh my God. See, Jim Boy's is a Northern California routine and it okay. was, it was same thing, but you would, and I've posted some Jim Boy's tacos. You would be a Jim Boy's fanatic and the thing that sets Jim Boy's over the top, put the Parmesan cheese on top of the, the tortilla. Ah, okay. Yeah. And it's, uh, well, I got to make delicious. a couple of trips to Reno, uh, you know, in the next few they months. They might so have you, one. Well, I was going to say, if you go to Sacramento, I'm making the little drive from Reno over to Sacto and, yeah. and we're going to sit there uh, and try, I got to try you some need, of these places. You need two or three days with me there. Absolutely. Scott. I mean, yeah, I got the pizza, I got the tacos, I got the, the steak joints, the burger joints, as, as you well know. So, <laughs> so here's a funny story. So Scott texts me today, you know, and, He's never really done this before, but I understand he does a lot of radio shows yeah. throughout the country, you know, and he's, you know, wants to be prepared. And he says, Hey, anything special you want to talk about today? Go ahead. Tell him I said, Scott. Food and sports. I go, Yeah. Wait. So what does he do? 
brings his laptop in, brings his notes in, brings the briefcase. What are you doing? You have known me for what thirty plus years. You don't need to be prepared for anything, my friend. I got a Dagwood in here. That's why. Is that no, what it is? But uh, yeah, I. Uh, it's funny because I. It's just so second nature. Right. This laptop rarely makes it out of my car because yeah. yeah. I take it everywhere I go. It ends up in the backseat of the car, and I'm yeah. like, three days later, where's my laptop? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the last show I did when I had to run around town. Right. But uh, no, it's funny. I forgot what I, I forgot I was doing the most fun show, entertaining show uh, that I do all week long, every week. Mm. And uh, it's just kind of fun to uh, get serious and talk a little bit. Yeah. At the same time, they'll right. have some fun, talk about some food. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it, it's kind of a nice release. And, you know, uh, Marco, I can see, and he tells me why he goes to the Westgate, nothing personal, but it's the food after. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> just letting you know. <laughs> no question. No. But he's the same way. He'll, and when he first started doing this with me, it was like, okay, uh, you know, you want to give me a rundown? I go, no. Yeah. No, but shows up like you with notes in the, in the computer, this and that. <laughs> and, uh, I remember, I think after the first week, uh, the Westgate going back last year, I goes, well, I go, are, are we going to talk, uh, any football? I go, well, of course we are, <laughs> you know, but, but they're, you know, people like to hear this other kind of stuff. Oh, they and, and he's finally got acclimated to it now. But just like you, you guys yeah. are just, you're, you're the consummate pros bringing the laptop, bringing the note. <laughs> and it's cool. And again, to be fair, I mean, we hit a, a lot of serious stuff, you know, with the handicapping. But of course, yeah, we're going to, we're going to mix it in and have some fun. Well, Marco, I, I knew last week he was going to have his laptop. So yeah. I didn't even ring my laptop. I, I felt yeah. naked. I mean, I walked into the Westgate without my laptop. And, uh, but I knew. The, we don't need that visual, Scott. Okay. I, well, you know, yeah. was, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it was one of those deals where I'm like, I don't, and, and he did. He had his laptop. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, usually I do, man. I bring the laptop. Are you guys trying to out laptop each other? Are you trying to out lap dance Listen, each other? I don't want to say anything. Trying to do? I don't want to say anything, but I saw his at the show last week and uh, mine's bigger than his. Whoa, so. that's true. There you go. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> you just did. Just talking about my laptop. <laughs> uh, FCC is banging on the door on this. I, that's perfectly fine. Exactly. Yeah. Put that thing away, man. You don't need it. Okay. Oh my goodness. Like how many times have we seen Marco hmm. turn his screen to show you food pictures on, yeah. his, on his laptop? Yeah. He's just like, Oh yeah. He, we've acclimated him pretty good. Look at this. He's <laughs> like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, hey. Those, those are my gym boys. You found my gym boys. Yeah. Show, show Scott the gym boys. There it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, yeah, yeah I can see me. No, yeah. Nothing that's, fancy. That's it's just like you're talking about. Yeah. Authentic and good stuff. So uh, you, like me, got basically the direct TV. Uh, we were in different cities, of course, but uh, we got direct TV about the same time, late 90s. Right. And we were getting the, the – we got it strictly for the football package, the exactly. NFL Sunday ticket, all that stuff, right? So at that point in time where I was living in Sacramento – there was a Jim Boy's Tacos literally one block from where I lived. And they had the special on Sundays, ah. 59 cent tacos. So you know what my routine was, all right? After the 10 o'clock games, uh -huh. I'm running over there. I'm loading up about six or seven of these bad boy tacos, taking them back home, getting ready for the one o'clock games at right. that point in time. That was my Sunday ritual, man. That was my Sunday and, ritual. And you moved away. I know. I'm telling you. And I go to Green Bay and there's no Jim Boy's you know, tacos. You know, Nunchuck, my wife is in China right now. 
And oh, that's was, why he, he offered to come down and spend time with us now. I see. <laughs> I see. You would think it'd be the other way, which he's here. I want to get out, right? But yeah. no. But uh, anyway, she's but up I love my wife. But anyway, I kid. She's in China right now, and she's that you know, like a Rodney Dangerfield joke there, didn't it? That's right for the punchline. <laughs> Except for the I kid. He would never say that. Right. Right. But uh, so anyway, she's over in uh, China, and she's going on this food tour. And I was going to send this food to TC, but I think he would question whether it's food. He would. A hundred percent. I'll show you guys who go to the break here. I'll bring it up and show you this seafood platter thingy, whatever it is that she and her family picked out on. And it looks like, you know, those bars of soap they used to make that looked like seashells. Yeah, That's yeah. what it looks like in that, in that bowl. So that's appetizing. <laughs> but see, I love that stuff. And, yeah. and, uh, uh, and I know that's not part of what you want to go to, like after the show today, right? I'm right. guessing. No, no, I'll, I'll, pa- I'll, <laughs> no pa- I'll, I'll, pa- I'll pass on that. I still know. haven't gotten him to be able to go to Fuku Burger. Really? Yeah, I still haven't been to Fuku. Oh, Fuku Burger yeah. is awesome. Yeah. And you don't have to be, I mean, you can just pile on whatever you want, you know, yeah. you don't have to, you know, like experiment with any kind of raw foods that you might not like yeah, that see, I love. Yeah. yeah. It's not that, that, nothing like that. It's okay. good stuff. Yeah. All right. If you go, you'll be a fan. You will be a fan. Okay. All right. Uh, I got a couple other places here that uh, fell in my lap here. We were talking before you came in. And uh, so you and I are going to be talking about this as well, too. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Of course, food talk on a Thursday as we get ready for a weekend. I mean, that is, you know, totally automatic. (laughs) Uh, When we come back, yes, we will actually talk about some football and basketball uh, with Scott Spritzer. He joins us here today. And uh, we'll see if we got some college basketball winners uh, coming up uh, tonight. So we'll hit all of that and more right here on this Food Thursday. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth. The oracle has spoken. The mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. It is not quite yet time for the T.C. Martin Show Song Fest or the Name That Tune competition, but Scott Spritzer was already hitting his button here. Go ahead, man. Fishbone, baby. I'm sitting here and I'm ready to, I'm, I'm, I'm down to the pit right now mentally. So anything you say, is, I'm just going to shake my head yes, because I'm right now in the pit at a fishbone show. <laughs> Thank you, I love, Chuck. I love it. I love it. I love it. Of, of all of our guests who participate in the Song Fest show, this guy is the most eclectic. He will go from Parliament Funkadelic to Fishbone. And you probably know the other ones that you've uh, given us over the past uh, Gosh, four that we've done. The Damned, I think. Uh, Maybe uh, we played uh, a few uh, times uh, or, you know. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. Oh, okay. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red, yeah, 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 yeah. So very eclectic. There it is. Well, you know what's coming up? We've got May 22nd, Stiff Little Fingers in Hollywood. Now, this is a group out of Belfast, and they're our age, TC, and they started out. You know, I, I, I'm going to say the first time I heard them was like 1980. And... You know, it's a post-punk type of band, and yeah. they're playing at the Fonda Theater, sh- small shop. But guess where we're going? I I had to bring this up, not because of the band, but okay. because of TC. Okay, let's hear it. So me, Al McMorty, a couple of other friends going to the yeah. show. They all live in Hollywood. Yeah. We're meeting up at Muso and Frank's for a little wine and wow. dine. The old 100-plus-year-old, yeah. very famous, world-famous Hollywood uh, yeah. American Fair Steaks and Eatery, and it's been okay. in a million movies. So yeah. I'll, I'll be texting you or, or sending you pictures, pictures of Musil and Frank's. Yes. Likely not Stiff Little Fingers. Yeah. Who, who Nunchuck has found already. That's yeah. how quick it Because he has <laughs> sneaky little fingers this, there. There's a really cool spot in this song where it's like, dun, 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 and it breaks up the song, and the punkers are going nuts in the pit. Yeah. It's good stuff. Spritzer in a pit, <laughs> in a mosh pit. Can you see it? 
Well, you know what's great is you could do it now. Yeah. At our age, you could even do it now. I was always afraid of breaking a hip as I got older. Yeah. But you could do it now because everybody's got phones and they're all just right. wanting to take pictures of the band. Yeah. So nobody's hitting each other. Nobody's slamming into each other. It's Were you a nice. body surfer? I've done the body surfing stuff. I only really did some serious slam dancing. Uh, it was Faith No More around 1990, 91, around that time at Calamity Janes on Boulder Highway. Calamity Janes. And wow. they were just getting popular. Yeah. And the guys I went with basically, mm. they twisted my arm and they forced me to get down there. And, and that was crazy. I, we, when the band got done, the lights go on and, there was it was bad on the floor. I mean, there's broken bottles and everything else, and pe- where people fell, and it was crazy. That was the only time I went, you know, kind of that route. But uh, body surfing's a blast, man. Was that before or after that you'd go to Crystal Palace uh, skating rink? Yeah. Back, <laughs> right right, right down the street, Palace. next door, though, right? right yeah, been, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now so we're talking, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. This is an all skate. <laughs> Memories, oh my gosh. Yeah, baby. TC and I both had hair, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, he's seen the pictures. Yeah. And I've seen some of the pictures of this guy, too, back in the day. All right, man. Uh, Super Bowl thoughts. Congratulations. You had, you. You, were, you had the winner. You had the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, talk about your Super Bowl Sunday, man. Ended up going 4-1 and one for the clientele, which was real nice. Mm-hmm. And it's been crazy. I mean, TC, the last four years now, 17-3 and three in the Super Bowl. It's wow. been nuts. And so it started out. I always do. There's a template. Like I used to do shows, you know, with some of the bookmakers and we'd always talk about the template, you know, the, the sports books around Las Vegas. And I was doing some stuff, you know, like last year with, it was the last year or two years ago with Jason McCormick, um, over at, uh, the Red Rock and Chuck Esposito. And we did a couple of the shows and I brought up the template. You know, they've got their template. They changed the names, the players, all that kind of stuff, the teams, all that, you know, whatever. But the template is pretty much the same for most of the, of the props they put out. And I thought, this is a couple of years ago, and I thought, you know, I kind of have my own template, and I'm definitely going to play almost at least two or three of the same plays every year. Don't care who the teams are. Don't care who the players are. It went 2-0 and again this year. And it's, uh, will the teams be tied after 0-0? I play that every year. And we saw 16-16 and 19-19 yeah. uh, this year. And then we, then the other one now, is, what, uh, what's the, what's the odds on that usually? It's usually around minus a dollar 35 okay, in that neighborhood. It's not yeah. big. Okay. Um, which I would think would be a buck 80, a buck 90 at least because mm. it happens year after year. Mm. Um, and then the other one on the template is will a team score any kind of point in the final three and a half minutes of the, of the fourth quarter? And that hits almost, it's like 10 out of 11 years and mm. it, you know, it's crazy. So I don't even think about those. I don't even know if, I think we talked about them on your show Friday, but, it's not even a thought. That's boom. That's play one. Boom. That's play two. And I don't go crazy with a lot of props. So generally speaking, I'll find another three to five props after that that deal with the individuals. My, my other, my, my biggest prop of the weekend or of the Super Bowl was, uh, McCaffrey over 34 and a half receiving yards, which we talked about mm-hmm. last week. And that little pass they did, that little halfback option or whatever. <laughs> there it is. Put it over the total. He needed like 10 yards and he got 25 yeah. at the point. And so, anyway, I think he finished with like 80 or See, 90. another one of those that I talked about. When Scott gives it out, it, it, it's over almost <laughs> immediately. First half, it's, over, it's, it's done. It was great. I mean, yeah. it's almost like you're jacked because you're like, yeah, second quarter midway through, and I just won the pro- – what right. do I do the rest of the game? Right. <laughs> right. So, we went three and one with the props. I did lose one. I lost uh, the uh, shortest touchdown drive under one and a half yards, mm. which – it's probably happened eight of the last 10 years. That one did not happen. The, the final touchdown was about a three yard pass. Right. And, uh, but anyway, so I do, I did lose that. I went three and one with props and then had the Chiefs. Um, you know, and, and all that I told you last week, I don't know if we said it on the air or off the air. 
All it came down to me was Mahomes mm-hmm. versus Purdy, and yeah. it was no slide against Purdy. It was just he played I got well. Patrick he Mahomes, yeah. Yeah. and I've got a guy who's a second-year NFL player who's never been this far in his life, and I got Mahomes who can be down 21 nothing five minutes into a game, and you wouldn't know he was up or down 21 nothing. His confidence level is so high. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I played Mahomes, and again, listen, if – San Francisco doesn't have the fumbled or the muffed punt there inside the 20. We might be talking about a Niners, you know, Super Bowl celebration rather than KC's that changed the game. There, there's no doubt. And I, I said this on Monday. I'll say it again now. I mean, it, it was, it was the two mistakes. It was the missed extra point and mm-hmm. the, and the, we call it the muff punt or the botched, whatever, it, you know, hits the defender on his heel and, and McLeod, doesn't fall on it. I mean, that's it. I mean, yep. think about that, Scott. That was a one play drive is the only touchdown Kansas City had in regulation. Right. And it came courtesy of that play where they recover the ball on the 10 yard line. Next play, boom, touchdown. The only touchdown they were, you know, people were talking about, Oh, Kansas City marched up and down the field. They did. They had these 11, 12, 13 play uh, drives, but they, they were threes. All yeah. resulted in threes. They they held KC to one touchdown in regulation in the Super Bowl, yeah. and Wilkes gets fired right. as the DC. Right. It's like, but I know but, there's a know, personality thing there too. There but, is, but, but still, but I could see where they were going this with this because when I was, you know, part of my handicap was, you know, I'm big on third down conversions. Sure, and the Chiefs are at the top, and the Niners are at the bottom. Right, and the Niners were at the bottom in the playoffs as well too. Yeah. And sure enough, what happens? What three for twelve on third down conversions yep. for the 49ers. And they could not get off the field, you know, uh, defensively. Kansas City was just so good on third down, and they have been for about the last six, seven weeks, and then phenomenal, you know, what, over 50% in the Super Bowl. And it's just amazing. I mean, any other quarterback in this league doesn't get this team to the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, the problems they had a wide receiver this year. Kadarius Tony is supposed to be a number one. He doesn't even play the last couple of games yeah. of the season for them, including the Super Bowl. He's booted basically from the team. Mm-hmm. That first two and a half quarters – I'm texting with a couple of guys, our friend Dave Koch and a couple other guys. I'm like, they can't get open. Nobody on this Chiefs team is getting yeah. open. And San Francisco had them covered like a blanket. And I had no problem with the overtime thing there, you know, where the coach took the ball first because of the different rules that they have playoff overtime as opposed to regular season overtime. So I didn't have a problem with that because his team just got – that defense just was driven on that last drive to send it to overtime. And – I'm like, do I really want to put my defense out there after they just, you know, had this big long drive and they they look gassed or they look winded, yep. and so I, and I don't, missing three starters in that second absolutely. half because they were injured. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean the the thing with uh, what's his name, the linebacker when he runs on the Green field. Long. I mean, yeah. God, yeah. you're just shaking your head, going, how could that happen yeah. like that? But he's had a history of Achilles problems and it's weak, I guess. But you know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, uh, I didn't blame him at all. I didn't blame the coach at all. And I saw everybody on Twitter and social media going crazy. Should have taken the ball second. I I don't know, man. I think Casey goes right down the field and scores on him a touchdown, even if he does it that way. Agree. Because the defense was so worn out and Casey was beating him up at that point. And and I'll throw this point. And we talked about this with, uh, with, with Jay Schrader and Steve Berline afterwards. And my point of the matter was you've got a young quarterback, like you just mentioned with Brock Purdy. Okay. I would much rather have Purdy. Have the ball in that comfort zone because if you put him behind the eight ball and yes, Mahomes just pressure. scored, yep. the more pressure, biggest you know, game of his life, and and to me that just signifies okay, I, I don't trust him that he could stand up to that. But if you put him in this situation and it worked, they marched all the way down the field, right. got inside the ten yard line. Sure, granted they were you know um, 
I don't want to say gifted, but they were the benefactor of a holding penalty on right. third and 15. And the only defensive holding penalty that was in the, and got in the game, but extended the drive, but they continued to march the ball right down the field. And, um, again, they had to settle for a field goal, but I would much rather have Purdy start off the overtime sure. instead of down seven. And, and that's something I haven't even talked about that. Yeah. It's a great point. You know, you got this young guy who's played well for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that game, and why would you want to put him down seven when he has to right. make that? Right. Not just have to make a scoring drive, have to make a touchdown drive happen, and mm-hmm. and uh, so no, that's another good point. So yeah, I did, I was just looking at. I'm hardly ever on Twitter. I'm not a big you know social media guy and all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm like you. I tweet out food picks or <laughs> or Facebook food picks and uh, and about what I'm going to be doing that day in the in the in the job that I'm doing right. in handicapping right. and betting. Right. And uh, but I'm reading it the other day, and I'm like, re- and I'm just seeing everybody just jumping all over Kyle Shanahan, mm-hmm. and I'm like. I'm texting back and forth with Coke and I'm like, they just don't know the rules. Right. You know, the people that are commenting on this right yeah. now. And, and, um, so anyway, again, I thought Purdy played really well. You just went up against the goat, you know, Brady and Mahomes. Yeah. It doesn't get any better. How, how crazy is that? We are so lucky. You know, God must really love us because we've been put on this earth the same time as Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, David Bowie. I mean, we go on and on. Are we fortunate or what? Joe Montana. He Joe goes, Montana. He, he, goes, he goes David Bowie. You can have your YA tittle, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. I understand that. I understand. <laughs> David Bowie makes that makes that list? Yeah, well, even though he's passed, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. No questions asked, yes. I, I like Bowie. Yeah, I'm yeah. good with Bowie, you know? You went, you went Bowie over Mick Jagger? That's, yes, that's I got to go with Bowie, but it's not really. You know, but I'm a big Mick fan too. Okay, yeah. all right. I mean, the guy's 82 years old. He's running around stage better than I am. In my you better 50s. put Bootsy Collins in there. Oh, Bootsy Collins, <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know, he helped design some of those Kiss outfits that they had in the 70s and there 80s. You go. Bootsy Collins, my yeah. guy. Oh my goodness! All right, so we put a a, a wrap on the Super Bowl, and now uh, we go towards a college basketball and I know you've we've been in thick of a college basketball but as we know more handicappers now concentrating solely on college basketball and the NBA here um before we get into that um I don't know if you're a big NBA all-star weekend guy if you get into any of that stuff but the Steph Curry and Sabrina Nescu uh situation is intriguing for me because uh it's a friendly competition it's kind of unique and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because you have two great shooters, but you have two great competitors, and you've got two really good human beings. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to have conversations with both. Sure. I'm looking forward to this. I really am. Is this and a three-point competition it, they're doing? It's, th- it's three-point, yeah. Okay. And this will be on the board as well, too. Now, I don't know what the odds are, and if, we can, if you knew or if you could look that up or whatever, but I'm I'm guessing that Steph has got to be probably a two-and-a-half-to-one favorite, I'm thinking. But Sabrina Inescu for the New York Liberty, who mm-hmm. won the uh, WNBA All-Star uh, three-point contest here in Vegas and had that record-setting performance against, obviously, arguably, you know, the greatest shooter of all time in Steph Curry. It is going to be intriguing, but... Um, I got a question for you yeah. because my handicapping yeah. mind jumps in right away. Mm-hmm. Does, she, does she get to use yeah. the WNBA? She's ball using her time? ball. Okay, so but cool. she is shooting from the NBA line. Okay, all right. Yeah. So I would be totally fine if she was shooting from you know from you know a foot and a half in mm-hmm. if it was the WNBA line. But they, she says, no, I'm going to shoot from the NBA line, which is which is totally cool and fine. Sure. And, uh, but yeah, she should use the WNBA ball because that's what she shoots with. So you know, I think you know, no debate there whatsoever. But I think it's a 
it's going to be cool. Again, it brings more awareness to the WNBA. And uh, I think it's great that you have these leagues co-mingling with each other like this. And you yeah. couldn't have two better spokespersons, especially in the NBA side, for Steph Curry. Sure. Personally, I'd like to see Steph go against Kelsey Plum. That's what I'd like to see. Oh, yeah. Aces fans would, too. But because Inescu is the reigning three-point champion, she had this you know, record-setting performance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have seen her airball quite a few shots. And so advantage Steph Curry. And we know Steph is going to take this exceptionally serious as well, too. I hope so. Because he I is the ultimate of competitor. Res- and out of respect for her. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, yeah. I, I expect him to to uh, yeah. respect the, the situation and her ability. Mm-hmm. I, I got a, I was just looking at a couple of apps. And I didn't yeah. see any uh, all-star uh, lines yet or odds okay. yet for any of that. So, But that's something to keep an eye on. I I'll probably, I mean, if you I, had to make that line, what would you make it? It's t- You said she's shooting from the men's three or from the WNBA three. She's shooting from the NBA three, the NBA three. with the WNBA Plus ball. Steph Curry, you know, the general public is going to be betting Steph Curry. So I put that into the mix too when I'm making a line. Yeah. Um, Boy, I'd have to make him a, a, a over a two dollar favorite. Because That's what of that. I would say. Yeah, and maybe three, maybe but three. I would, you know, two fifty, two sixty, maybe is fair. And, I think. In all fairness me. to her, part of the problem there, and the part of the, the line making in that is has to be the fact that everybody knows Steph Curry, right. and everybody doesn't know her, mm-hmm. and also you've got a situation where you know. You got all the guys watching the NBA, you mm-hmm. know, so you're going to get more action. Oh, Steph Curry's taking on a WNBA, you know, the whole stigma and all that. Right. And uh, I don't know, man. I'm going to look around. I might have to talk to you off the air, you know, in the next mm-hmm. 24 hours, get a little bit more okay. info on her yeah. because the, I, I might, you know, this might, this will probably be the first time that I've watched a NBA All Star Weekend event. In a couple of years, TC, I'll be watching it. I, I got to tune into this. Okay. This will be cool. No, it's going to be very cool. Yeah. It means the highlight. You Absolutely. Know? And I used to watch the slam dunk competitions, and it got kind of boring there for a little while. Yeah. And then we had – who was the – I'm spacing off his name, the uh, D-League player or G-League player, whatever they call it now, who won it. It was the last year or two years ago he won the slam dunk competition. You're not t- talking about Derek Jones Jr. from UNLV a couple of years, no, no, two no. years back, are you? Um, no, G League player, and he won the slam dunk. Yeah. Like, well, like, Matt, anyway. Matt, Matt McClung from Texas Tech won it last year, and he's okay. going to defend. Okay, which is, yeah, was it, but it, was was cool. it Henderson? What was it? Hender- Gerald Henderson? No, no. Who, I, I think uh, you're right with I think, McClung. And, yeah, and it yeah, was yeah. it was uh, cool because, you know, he's an unknown. Right. But the three-point competition, this is how old I am. I just stopped. I, I lost interest after the Larry Bird years. Sure. And, no, we, and uh, yeah. you know, but this I'll tune into this. This will be fun. So, again. It's I'm, different. Yeah. I like things that are different. So, earlier we had my good friend Dr. Dunk, D- Darnell Hillman, on the show, the first uh, NBA slam dunk champion, and he will be a judge. And I'm I'm more curious of, again, watching him judge along with the, the panel of judges this year, which is great. It's himself, Dominique Wilkins, Fred Jones, Gary Payton, and Mitch Richmond. Some cool names in there. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's funny. I, um, out of all the slam dunk competitions, if you put like a top four or five together yeah. from when I watched it every year, of course, Spud Webb's got to be in there, mm. you know, because of his size. You know what my favorite was of all the slam dunks? And there's Dr. J. There's all those guys. Yeah. But my favorite was Larry Nance. Yeah. He's just smooth, man. And I, I loved watching him in that slam dunk. That's good. He's just as smooth as it gets when you're watching him play and everything else, you yeah. know. And I know we call like Stacey Ogman plastic man and all that, right. but I kind of got that same feeling when I'm watching Larry Nance play back in the day. Right. Right. So, yeah, that's what's going on. And again, when you look at the competitors in the slam dunk, I mean, you know, Jalen Brown, McClung, uh, it's, it's, it's really yeah. nobody. I mean, it's, can I just yeah. say that the NBA it's can lost be tough luster. to watch in the regular season? Oh, yeah. And I, that's my most successful sport to bet on the last couple of years is the NBA. 
But it's a tough watch. You got to pick your spots, though, too. Right, oh, man? big time! It's yeah. all and it's all situations in the NBA for me. You know, these teams have every single team, even the worst team in the league, is a team of all stars, college all stars, and so you really do got to pick your spots. And it's more that than it is matchups for right. me. And I think that's why I like handicapping the NBA so much. It's all about spots, situations. Right. I'm, put, I'm going to put you on the spot here. It, 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 it's quite okay. You know, I don't know who Larry Nance beat. Uh, the, no, 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 no. <laughs> all right, you got to tell me the team. That the four competitors are okay. So Jalen Brown, okay, all right. Uh-huh. You, you you know what team no. Jalen Brown plays for? <laughs> I don't care. He's about the there. You go, Boston Celtics. Matt McClung. Oh, Jalen Brown. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I do actually watch. He's the like the only yeah, stupid. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Jalen okay. Brown. Matt Mac McClung. Yeah. Well, is he out of the G League yet? Yeah. We know he's with the Magic. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing, right? <laughs> Jaime Hawkes Jr. You can give me his, his UCLA. There you go. Exactly right. <laughs> Jacob Toppin. Yeah, that's your slam dunk. I mean, it's just that's you know. pathetic. Yeah, but it, it's getting this it, worse and worse and worse. Right. You know, in the three point, you know, more people are opting out of that as well too. That's so crazy. yeah, so the Steph Curry and Sabrina Nescu is going to be the highlight. Oh, by the way, uh, we we did find uh, uh, there are a couple places that have it. Uh, they have Steph Curry minus two eighty. Okay, so right in the pocket of what that's we we're saying over two hundred. You're saying yeah. maybe three. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, boy, I mean, that's tempting to actually take the underdog there. It really is because see, no I would take I would, I would take Steph. Yeah, go ahead I, and lay I, the price. I would, yeah. I, I would. Just because... I have to go on YouTube and I got to check her out and see her shot and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because yeah. she's lining up where where Steph is. She's not lining up, you know, inside that line. So, but here's the deal. I mean, it's only a foot and a half difference. Yeah, and the thing about it is, she she shoots bombs. I mean, she's yeah. like well beyond the arc. So she and that's why she agreed. No, I'll do that because I can see her her, her draining. That that's not a problem. Sure, I just think. You know, not saying the moment's going to be too big for her, but Steph Curry is Steph Curry, and this he just he practices this stuff all the time, and he's been in so many competitions. So, you know, and the thing about it is, yeah, he's got uh, he's putting himself out there. He's right. got a lot to to lose in the public's mind. So, to he, a certain extent, he's not going to be outdone, yeah. but he will handle himself professionally no matter he does what happens lose, he doesn't start laughing like oh no big deal yeah give her her proper i think he will because i think he he's will. a class guy absolutely he's a class guy yes uh, step plays for golden state is that what you're trying to no i'm just kidding <laughs> 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 and when is she going to be out here in an aces uniform that's what i want to know uh, I, she we talked about this last hour i mean she would love to be part I of this because her fiance is a member of the raiders oh i, I think i've heard you mention yeah, that yeah, before. yeah 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 and uh she, she's great she, cool. she she really is great but yeah, I, and she's a competitor. But can you just see Steph and, and Kelsey Plum going at it? I mean, John at each other. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say Kelsey seems like she'd do some trash talking, even with Steph Curry. In right. a fun way, There's know? no question she would. Yeah. I mean, she was. You What's Caitlin Clark's chances of of making a difference in her rookie season next year? None. 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 Yeah. yeah. I mean, slim. I would say uh, slim. I mean, like Inescu. Inescu came out with the same credentials that uh, Clark came in. Obviously, didn't score as many points, but she was sure. like, you know, far and above. I mean, she was number one overall pick, and it took her like three seasons oh, okay. to get untracked. I mean, first season it was, you know, getting acclimated to that and that sort of thing. Um, and Inescu's, you know, body was, you know, she's put on weight. Uh, Clark is going to have to put on yeah, weight as well thin. too. Yeah. So. Uh, again, she's a great scorer, great shooter, but I think it's going to be hard for her to get her shot off mm. in traffic in the paint. So, okay. and again, and she'll be a high pick, so sure. she'll be going to one of the uh, the teams that the fever. are going to struggle. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. All right, man. Um, college basketball. 
Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, you mentioned you had the uh, Fresno State last night against the Rebels. Uh, I, you notice I said that with Kevin Kruger off the air now. Okay, right. so he <laughs> he's not going to get mad. But um, let's talk about uh, some action that we're looking forward to uh, tonight and this weekend. See the coolest thing, real quick, about the Rebels when you bet against them, like last night. I, I I got my cake and I ate it too because you had the cover by Fresno, you had the win by UNLV, which is you know what I'm rooting for when I go against right. the Creighton Blue Jays and the UNLV running Rebels, there you my go. two teams. There you go. As far as tonight, TC, I mean we're kind of running out of time, and that's a good thing because I got one play. That's okay, it. that's cool. Um, and that's uh, and I, I think I'm a, I, I boy I'm a little bit worried about this. I don't know what the line is now, but. Uh, when I do my capping at like one or two in the morning Pacific time, mm. uh, Utah was getting two from USC. And I think earlier today I saw, I was out running around and I think I saw USC become like a one, one and a half point favorite. And that tells me that I might be on the square side here, guys, for, and we try to stay away from those, but I think I might be because USC has been absolute dog meat this season. Uh, they were expected to vie for the Pac 12 championship. They were power rated by guys like Ken Palm, who I have nothing but respect for, like top 20. And here they are, unable to win basketball games. It almost has looked like they've packed it in the last couple of the games when you talk about the Trojans. Yeah. Um, they've won, what, nine of their last 17 games? Uh, excuse me. They've won one of their last right. nine games right. and four of their last 17. Uh, their last eight losses came by an average margin of only 14 points per game. That kind of talent, and Andy Enfield seems like he can't get his message across to this group of players, and he's a pretty good coach. In fact, you know, it's funny because I see this is why I brought the laptop. I'm looking at it now. They were power rated 13th in the nation in mid-November, right. USC. They're right now outside of the top 100 in power ratings. That's how bad things have gotten. But as far as uh, this game tonight, if you just look at all the offensive adjusted metrics, defensive adjusted metrics, how these teams have been playing for the last six weeks, you scratch your head and go, yeah, it's got to be a play on Utah. But the money's coming in on USC, and I really feel like maybe I'm on the square side tonight. So for those listening, if you want to jump on board with what I'm talking about, maybe take it easy tonight because this doesn't look like one of those prop plays we were talking about, excuse me, on last Friday's show. But, um, yeah, so I I would, again, my handicapping says Utah. Uh, my my uh, brain is starting to say USC might be the right side here with that number moving the way it has. Yeah, and the problem with, with USC is uh, they're a turnover machine. They're averaging nearly 13 turnovers a game, so I, I hate backing teams like that. Sure. And I will not bet teams that, that – are, you know, uh, cannot hit the three. Right. And I think they're like 278th in the country or something like that is three point uh, shooting and their field goal percentage is not very good as well, too. Oh, yeah. And, but, you know, this is Andy Infield. He, these are the guys that he, he, he goes after these yep. athletes and it was a story when he was at Florida Gulf Coast mm-hmm. and that was cool and that sort of thing. But, but he's got to recruit better players. He gets athletes, but, you know, he doesn't get pure shooters. He doesn't get those pure scores. They're more like highlight real guys. Yeah. And they're almost like, I hate to say this, but they're like the second tier recruits. You know what I'm saying? Because the top schools are not going to recruit if you can't shoot, if you can't take care of the basketball. Sure. And again, they're, they're, it's just a different type of player he recruits. And there's a reason why he is not one at USC. Yeah. When I say not one, I mean not done anything in the NCAA tournament or anything, you know, winning the Pac 12, you know, championship. He has not done that because I just don't think much of him as a recruiter. Yeah. He's definitely not reached what they had hoped for yeah. when they brought him over from FGCU. Yeah. And, and again, you're right. You look at those recruiting, you know, rosters and all this kind of stuff like this team, you know, this basketball team got this you know center guard or whatever he's a point guard shooting guard and it's like you always see like maybe one guy with ath 
next to his name, athlete. And right. Andy Enfield, you're right. It's like you expect to see like five guys every year that he's recruited right. that have the ATH next to his name instead of shooting guard, point guard, what have you. And right. again, they could go ice cold. Mm-hmm. I just looked at my phone real quickly here. USC is a short one-point favorite. Yeah. So that line's moved three points since I handicapped this game. And again, with them playing as badly as they have and USC being top 40, top 45 power-rated club, mm-hmm. I just sit there and go, man, I, I just feel like this is the square side tonight with Utah. Something's yeah. kind of funny about that line. Yeah. And right. I don't mean funny in a bad way. I mean no. in a nefarious way. I mean something, you know. Right. Just right. where it's where it's moved. All right. Saturday, we'll have a plethora of games, and Scott will be uh, staying up uh, for about. Uh, I've already you know, got about twelve games earmarked. Already? I'll be up to nineteen by Friday afternoon. I have to Good. whittle that down a little bit. What uh, What is your your traditional number of plays this part of the college basketball season for Saturday? A Saturday when you've got like ninety well, games. Yeah. I would. Say. How many are you actually playing? Uh, my personal own, yeah. my own personal bets yeah. by the end of the day, usually 11, 12, 13 in that neighborhood. That many. Okay. Um, I'll right. usually start with about 20 okay. and whittle it down. And, you know, for the service that I provide, they don't want to go nine, 10, 11 games deep mm-hmm. because if you do have a bad, I, you have bad yeah. days. Yeah. If you have a, you know, if yeah. I go one, if my bad day is one and three to the service, yeah. those guys, they're not upset. Right. If I go two and 10, you know. <laughs> You're, you're dodging arrows. You're going to be hearing about it. So anyway. I love it. Yep. DocSports.com. That's where you go to subscribe to Scott's Plays. DocSports.com. My man, always hot. NBA, college basketball, hockey, food. And, of course, food. <laughs> Can you handicap food? There you go. We would be, we would be the co-favorites on, on, on the food. No questions. Speaking of which, Scott, what time is it? It's, uh, well, I thought you were doing a little, uh, it's food time. More stay in the time thing there, but yeah, it's food time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I appreciate you being here, brother, as always. It's great to be here. All right. Good stuff. All right. And we'll get more of Scott here during the basketball season. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll be at the Westgate. You're more than welcome to come by, my friend. We'll have a good time with that tomorrow. Natalie Williams will join us, the general manager of the Las Vegas Aces. We'll talk to her about the free agent frenzy and uh, the Aces coming back and signing Candace Parker. We'll get uh, get her thoughts on that. So make sure you come on by, see the show live, or tune in tomorrow. If you miss any part of the show, go to the, to the website, tcbartonshow.com. Thanks again to Kevin Kruger for joining us as well. And Dr. Dunk Darnell Hillman for Numbchuck TC saying, we will see you and talk to you tomorrow at 2. Because you know what? We're always too cold.